7.36, the all-new This Morning with Jaylin and Daryl and Morley, too. Great to have you along, Chedville. Appreciate you being here. We've heard an awful lot about carbon capture and storage. We obviously hear about carbon pricing. We obviously hear about the carbon tax. What does this mean to uh, Alberta's economy moving forward? When you're looking at oil sands projects, there are some enormous companies, and we're talking about billions and billions of dollars. How does that project of, of getting bitumen out of the oil sands compare and contrast and coexist with this growing industry that is wrapped around decarbonization and carbon capture, etc.? We're going to dive into that right now with Kendall Dilling, who is the president of Pathways Alliance. Now, Pathways uh, represents uh, six companies that operate about 95% of Canada's oil sands production, including Canadian Natural, Synovus, uh, ConocoPhillips, Imperial, uh, Meg Energy, and Suncor. Kendall, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks, Jay Lynn and Daryl. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah, nice to have you. So, Kendall, I think there's a there's a lot of folks out there. I mean, you know, people who want to uh, poo-poo all over the industry that say, hey, you know what, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough when it comes to uh, being responsible citizens. You're not doing enough when it comes to decarbonization. But I, I, I think we're about to tell them otherwise. Tell us about Pathways Alliance and what the goal is and where the work stands right now. Yeah, so Pathways very much does represent exactly that sentiment that you just articulated, Jalen. It is the embodiment of a deep commitment from this industry and these companies to address global climate change. We mm-hmm. know that's a huge issue. Uh, our industry has been subject to a lot, of, a lot of criticism because of the nature of the heavy oil in Canada and the somewhat higher greenhouse gas emissions associated with the production of it. So we decided to grab that bull by the horns and address that and created pathways. And we've come together in a in a way that I've never seen in my 30 plus years in industry. The six CEOs of these companies meet every single week on this mm-hmm. subject and have done so for approaching two years now. And it's with that incredible conviction that we can and have to decarbonize the Canadian oil sands. And we are well on our way. We've got a, a very credible net zero plan. It'll take us a long time to get there. But, you know, we, by 2030, we hope to be about at least 25% of the way down that path. And that will be largely predicated on capture and storage technology, which was mentioned in the opening credits. <laughs> the opening credits. I like that one, Kendall. So yeah, that was going to be my next question. Where are you right now with this? I mean, it's not a click your heels together, wiggle your nose, and you can make everything. You know, you can be at uh, net zero. Where are we on this on this path uh, so far? Yeah, so we are advancing it as aggressively and quickly as we possibly can. This is a big project. Just this project alone is about $16 billion. And when you're developing major infrastructure, major projects at that scale, there is a, a certain you know, capital spend profile, you've got to get through engineering, you've got to get through indigenous consultation, stakeholder consultation, you've got to submit regulatory app- approvals and get a, um, get the project approved. So, you know, there's years of work before you actually start turning dirt. In our case, you know, we expect to be through that process probably towards the end of 2025. And we'll be looking to start construction after that point. But in the meantime, we've got literally hundreds of people working on the project, advancing it through those early stages. Uh, I have a couple of directions I want to go in. There. I want to talk about just the amount of money that's going into this particular mm-hmm. project. But but first off, uh, 
Is it is it is it that the the companies wanted to do this and play the role, or is it also partially? And I would argue that it is that you have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been told you have to. So it's great to you know to say okay, well we're going to grab the bell and we're going to run with it, but you've been told to as well. Yeah, for sure. There's both of those components at play. I mean, we have been making significant strides on our greenhouse gas emissions over the last couple of decades in the industry. We've reduced our GHG emissions per barrel by uh, well over approaching 30% over the last decade or so. That said, our production continued to grow at the same time, so our overall absolute emissions were growing at the same time. And, you know, so we realized we had to do something about that, but there's also been government regulations. Like you mentioned, we've had, you know, a price on carbon and mandatory GHG reduction regulatory regime in Alberta. In fact, we were one of the first in the world since like 2007. And the federal government is contemplating additional regulations. So, yes, it is very much responding to external factors as well as the internal commitment from the companies. But $16.5 billion, that's a huge pile of cash to have to spend. As I understand it, uh, the only way that that's economically feasible is if the price on carbon continues to rise, which might seem a little counterintuitive to an awful lot of people. So you need the carbon pricing imposed to continue to rise to make that massive project work. Is that fair? Yeah, well, you're certainly right that these are expensive projects. And when you look around the world at how these projects are being advanced, it's almost invariably being done as as a collective investment, a co-investment of industry and government to say, hey, listen, we've got to decarbonize and future-proof these industries. The oil and gas industry is incredibly important, as you appreciate, mm-hmm. to the Albertan and Canadian economies. And so as you make that investment you not only future-proof that industry to continue receiving those benefits, you create a, a ton of jobs also with you know these kind of projects being implemented. And you attract other industry. As we get a carbon capture and storage network built in Alberta, that will, you know, you look at a couple of the big petrochemical expansions that are on the verge of going ahead in the capital region. And those are largely predicated on having access to CCS because all the the heavy heavy industries have their own net zero uh, needs and ambitions and so it it really we have to start thinking about it as an investment more than a cost Mm -hmm. to sustain this industry and create a whole bunch of new spin-off industries what are some of the challenges that that uh, you're facing right now and 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 does that challenge uh include the the ongoing battle over some of these issues between alberta and uh, and ottawa yeah, I mean, there's no question that this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> These are, uh, you know, our track record in Canada, frankly, on big infrastructure in the last decade is abysmal. We've really struggled collectively to advance these kind of big projects. What we're hoping is that to the extent that these projects are being advanced really for environmental improvement, that that will, you know, align stakeholders in a way that maybe we haven't uh, in recent pro- experience. But yeah, it's it's a lot of work in these projects. You know, there's a lot of uh, local issues to consider. We're out working closely with indigenous communities, local communities in northeastern Alberta, where the project will occur, to ensure that this is done in a way that there, you know, is going to be a benefit to them, and that they're satisfied with the safety and the, the long-term measurement and monitoring and verification and all the things associated with projects like this. 
Uh, one more question for you, Kendall. I mean, you've been um, working uh, like before this. You were Synovus Energy's vice president, environmental and regulatory. You've been working in this realm for a very, very long time. How optimistic are you about getting to those to those goals that we're talking about, that 2030, that 2050, um, by those dates? Yeah, there is no question that those are daunting goals. I, though, come from a place of, I guess, just believing that we have to give it a good college try and make <laughs> as much progress as we possibly can. What you can't do is say, I've got a net zero plan and watch what I'm going to do in the 2040s. You've got to start. You've got to go down that path. And will we meet 2030 ambitions? I don't know. But if we get a a good chunk of the way there and we convince people that, hey, this technology does work. Hey, this industry is committed. Hey, there is a future, a a relevant future for this industry in a low-carbon world. Then I think we'll get the, the runway from governments, from citizens to keep working. Uh, just really quick before we let you go, what's the timeline on this massive carbon capture and storage network project, the $16 billion project? It's underway now. Where does it go? How long does this take? Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, it'll be into probably twenty late 25, 26 by the time you have approvals and can start construction. You've got several years of construction. So realistically, you're looking at the whole thing up and running by 2030. All right. Kendall Dilley. It is fascinating. Like you said, jobs as well. I appreciate you joining us this morning. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Kendall Dilling is the president of Pathways Alliance. And again, that's a group that represents the biggest players within the oil sands. Yeah, uh, lots of work being done on that front.